Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, it's on um, TuneIn Radio. Uh, put WBCQ in the search, and uh, the, you'll be able to listen live. And also on uh, IPMNation.org, which you can hear on Mondays. Uh, I'm sorry, Saturday afternoons at 1 or 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this show was brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-and-a-day-long family camp. And this year's camp will be held in the Toa Nippi Christian Retreat Center in Ringe, New Hampshire, which is in the southwest part of the state. And it's a Sunday-to-Sunday camp, and uh, July 4th happens to fall on uh, the one little Sunday, uh, Tuesday. Well, at camp, this is the first year we've actually we had a camp that the week of the holiday, and uh, it's a very important holiday to patriots, so we're going to do some special things. And I hope uh, you can, if you can't come to camp, why not help sponsor a young person who who needs to be at camp? Why not become a camp sponsor? If you have a business, give us a call or contact us through our website, campconstitution.net. And for just a, you know, a donation, we can put your business uh, as a sponsor. And, you know, a lot of people over the years of uh, you hear people saying that, you know, our country is in bad shape and certain other parts of the world. I'm sure the situation in your countries, other countries are the same. Uh, the young people aren't they don't know history. They're not being taught certain things. And every generation obviously thinks that their generations behind them are, you know, slipping on have you. I think that's unfortunately true. But more so than ever, because um, because at least in, in English-speaking countries, because of Common Core, something that was implemented by uh, Bill Gates after he's put in billion, literally billions of dollars, and they are really doing a super good job of dumbing us down. I mean, this is um, they've already done a good job doing that over the last generation, two, two or three generations, but it's now on steroids. And it's now not just in some schools, but all schools all over the country, English-speaking world, even in some of the um, Muslim nations, uh, Qatar and a few of the other principalities have bought into uh, Common Core. And that's why you'll see a lot of pro-Muslim references, because they're funding it. I suppose if I was an enemy, of a, a sworn enemy of the United States, I'd be a big supporter of Common Core. I'd be pushing it every chance I could. Meanwhile, in the schools of the country where I'm, I would be from, I would be fighting against it. As Stalin, back in the um, 1920s, when John Dewey and his little band of Bolsheviks went over to the Soviet Union to introduce that uh, look-say method of reading, Stalin kicked him out, and he put his Soviet supporters in, in prison or in, uh, sent them off to Siberia, and he said, in so many words, he said, this stuff, this look-say method is great 
for corrupting capitalist countries, but we don't want it here. So they know. The enemies of our nation know that this is stuff. This is junk. And you'll have people regurgitating it, supporting it, what have you. But so uh, so anyway, so that's that's why it's so important. And we're, we're just a small entity. You know, we don't influence billions of people. But I know we influence thousands and even hundreds of thousands. I know that because of the Sam Blumenfeld archives, 20,000 downloads last year. Again, a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things, but 20,000 people, that's a division. That's a military division. You get 20,000 people who are using the information we have available, the books and the, the, the reading curriculum. That's a lot of people, and that's just the beginning. So I'm not looking at it as, oh, that's only 20,000. It's just the beginning. And it was a few weeks ago that our, our website was hacked and uh, I was, I guess, a good sign that p- people are paying attention to us because uh, before that, <laughs> oh, what's a few views here and there? No big deal. Just a, what one little radio show on a shortwave station. Oh, that's no harm. But when you're having an impact, that's when uh, the bad people go after you. You know, that's when the bad guys start going after you. And uh, we, we're aware of that, and we're glad. We don't. We don't. We're not glad to get the get the problem, have the peace problems, but we know that. If we just sat on our hands and had a little website that didn't really mean much and didn't have much of an impact, then it wouldn't make any difference. There's lots of organizations out there, uh, call them Eat, Meet, and Retreat, you see, but we're a little bit more than that. Starting next month, and we want to do this on a regular basis, we're going to be having an information table in downtown Boston, Boston Common. Now you think, well, no, that's the big deal, but Boston Common, you get people from all over the country come here. So, uh, well, it's nice to set up tables. It'd be nice to set up tables in all 50 states, uh, people coming to us. And we're gonna, this little table, it's, we're just going to make, we're going to have a little 10-question quiz, which I've talked about in the past, and I've actually reviewed it. I did a show on it. And uh, it, we're just trying to help people out, be appreciate and understand their Constitution, unlike some um, of these people who try to make folks feel stupid and point out how stupid we are, which is an unfortunate reality. I was at Mark Dice, who has a very popular cable, uh, I should say, YouTube channel, where he has men on the street interviews, motivated by Jay Leno, pointing out that how moronic people are. I think his uh, zombies or moronic or what have you. Our job isn't to do that. Our job is to uh, teach people. There are some people that aren't teachable. That's that's true. But a lot of people out there, I think, if they had the right exposure, and you know, our little simple ten-question quiz. We give them a copy of the Constitution. That may motivate them uh, to learn more about it. And we're not going to ask people what party they belong to, what political party, where they come from, what denomination of any they have in the the Christian denomination. We're just going to go out there and teach them, help them learn about the Constitution. And if they're people of goodwill, they're going to want to learn more. And they're going to appreciate the fact that uh, we're out there helping them learn about this. And we're doing this in other venues, but this is a a kind of a unique thing. We've actually, over the last four or five years, we've had a table in Boston Common on July 4th, and the theme is to honor the the lives of the signers of the Declaration. And we would simply ask people, hey, how many uh, signers can you name? And most of the people are in town, Boston. They have have a big concert. Uh, uh, Esplanade in Boston, there's about a million people that come. They're all celebrating July 4th. Well, we don't celebrate a day. We celebrate what happened on that day. And... You ask people, okay, we're celebrating what these incredible men did back in 1776. Can you name any? And usually uh, you get a few people that can name 
they can name. They sometimes they'll know it was um, you know, John John Adams may have been there or Benjamin Franklin. Most of them will say a lot of them will say George Washington, and of course Washington was not did not sign it. He would have signed it, but he was a little busy being a general. So we do what we do. That's why we need your support. We need and we want to motivate other people, other organizations, a lot of good groups out there, but they're not as proactive. They kind of speak to themselves a lot. You know, there's an old saying that we are preaching to the choir. Now, there's nothing wrong with preaching to the choir. I say teaching to the choir because the choir has to have this information too, and you have to make sure they get it on a regular basis. But uh, we need to reach out. We need to go beyond the church, the church wall, so to speak. You know, get out of that um, those four corners and go out there to, to to as many people as we can. And of course, social media is the great one of the great venues. We have a a show. Um, I mean, we have a presence on uh, Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo and uh, so uh, Twitter. But that's uh, that's again, that's uh, that's another way to get the word out. But social media isn't going to save the country. It's going to be a vehicle to get people that may help us save the country. Uh, that nothing beats personal friendships and relationships when it comes to these kinds of things. And that's how we're going to start out the camps around the country. We're going to be doing the same thing. You know, we're going to, it's not just, hey, we have a great camp here in New Hampshire. You guys in California should do one. And here's some Facebook information. No, we got to go out there and meet people. Anyway, today is a very special day if you live in New England, especially greater Boston. It's Patriots Day. And it's, usually, it's always the Monday when the, the week of uh, April, April 19th falls. Because April 19th was uh, the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And for the past 15 years or so, yours truly has been attending the, uh, as a spectator, the uh, reenactment, which takes place in Lexington. And then there's a reenactment in Concord. There's actually a reenactment of the Paul Revere ride. I mean, you could stay up for a couple of days. There's a parade in Arlington, Massachusetts, I think usually the weekend before Um and then you have the uh, Paul Revere's ride, which took place April 18th at night, late at night. And then the reenactment. Now, the reenactment of the uh, Lexington Minuteman, even though there weren't any minute companies in Lexington in those days, just the militia. But it takes place right on Lexington Green, and it starts at 6 o'clock. We usually get there by 4.30. Uh, and I take friends. I take my children Well, today. We took uh, um, four of my children and or three of my children and two of their friends whom they met at Camp Constitution last year. And they these young ladies, the first time they've experienced this, and it's a great history lesson. We did some video, and you can see the video. We've been put, posting the videos for the last three years. This year we did it live. I did a live video from my Facebook, from my cell phone, and uh, it's not through Camp Constitution, but if you find me on Facebook, Hal Shirtliff, you'll be able to see the video. We also, uh, my son videotaped the uh, the event as well. And it can be a little challenging because of the size of the field and the movement uh, that the British soldiers coming up, you have the militia. The sound system isn't too bad. But what's interesting is that they, they get some of the facts a little bit wrong. One of the facts, uh, I should say an error fact, one of the things that they say they before the events, the, the reenactment begins, there's a PA, a gentleman on PA system. He would be the head of the, the captain of the militia, of uh, which is a, you know, it's an honorary thing. It's not a true militia. That's a topic that we've discussed before. It could be a true militia, though. 
Anyway, he mentions that nobody knows where the shot, who fired the first shot. And that seems to be something that when you learn from history books, that's what they'll say. Well, we know that Jonas Clark, who was the pastor of Lexington, he said he witnessed it. He said the British fired the first shot. No question about it. The Redcoats. <clears throat> and the battle was a very, um, they call it a battle, but it was really just a brief skirmish. Um, there was, uh, it became a battle, but I mean, that aspect of it. Uh, so the British marched in. They walked almost, what, 15 miles from Boston and early in the morning, and they get to Lexington. Paul Revere had got to Lexington and they, by around midnight, and he had warned um, the Lexington militia members, or I should say the captain of the militia, who then warned others. And John Hancock and Sam Adams were there. And uh, from what we understand, they were supposed to be arrested, <coughs> and then they had to seize the, the powder and any anything else that could be used to transport cannons or cannons themselves. And Paul Revere got uh, as far as Lincoln, which is just a town away from Lexington, where he was stopped. He and uh, William Dawes were stopped. Dawes was able to get away. I think he got away, then, but, uh, but Paul Revere was uh, detained. He took his horse away. They eventually let him go. And Paul got back to Lexington. Um, it was a, I should say it was a British patrol. There wasn't a full contingent. But there was uh, a British patrol led by a uh, Major, um, oh, what's his name? Major Smith. Uh, Colonel Smith, I'm sorry. Colonel Smith. And he was a little slow to react. And um, he had Major Pitcairn of the, of the Royal Marines that led the first, the first assault onto the green. And then they met Captain Parker, and you see his statue there at Lexington Green. And he told his men that uh, we don't want a war, but if it's meant, you know, let it start here. And the shots ran out, and there was eight members of the Lexington Minutemen or militia that were killed, and a number wounded. One of the men wounded was Prince Esther Brooks, who was a slave at that time. He did eventually get his freedom, and they do have someone that uh, plays his character, the gentleman Charlie. I think it was last name, Charlie. Uh, but he is in his 80s now, and his character was probably in his early 20s. And Charlie's been doing this for many, many years. And at some point, he, he's not going to be able to do it for long because uh, although he's still uh, still in great shape, after the reenactment, and again, it didn't take long. It, was, uh, it only lasted a short time. You know, they, they ran the militia off the, off the field. But they did come back and they actually uh, fought the rest of the day. The British got as far as Concord on the North Bridge where there was militia units from other parts of the, of the sta- other towns, surrounding towns and the British were started to pull up the, up the, um, the bridge and that's when the militia units fired and killed a few British and the British they were shocked. They're firing back at us. Can't believe this. Firing at us. And from there there was a retreat all the way back to Boston and in some cases, quite bloody. There was, um, I think there was about 73 redcoats killed and twice as many wounded. And there was about 43 members of the militia units. There was also some, uh, a, few, a few atrocities committed. There was uh, uh, a house that is in Arlington, used to be called Metany. Uh, there was some militia members and they had surrendered, but they were shot, and just, just killed. That's not, and there was a, uh, I think also in Concord, there was a, uh, one of the militia members got, got carried away and killed a few British that he uh, shouldn't. But anyway, 
Um, nevertheless, it was a glorious day. It was uh, a major, major victory for us, and it was sort of just the beginning of, uh, of the war for independence, April 19th. A glorious day, and there's an <clears throat> there's an excellent book on the subject, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, written by a local historian. And usually you think they must be tainted and leftist, but whether or not the guy is a leftist or not, I don't know. But it's a very good book, and it's a good good account of what happened, not just the the event itself, but the things that leading up to it. And one of the um, one of the misconceptions is that Paul when he Paul Revere made his famous ride. He said, the British are coming, the British are coming, and he actually didn't say that And because uh, even though people considered themselves to be colonists, they, could, they were separate from Britain, they, they said, he said, the regulars are coming out. The regulars mean the, the redcoats, the regular soldiers. That was the cry, the regulars are coming. But I guess it doesn't rhyme too well in a poem, and I think in The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, that's where you first found that uh, that misconception. But that's the thing about history. There's, uh, there's some great historical facts, and then uh, you get a lot of um, errors of facts. In some cases, something was proposed, and it was never really verified and just accepted. And it becomes, it, you know, this errors of fact become, in many minds, a historical fact. So, uh, But it was a great day for us, and um, I encourage people, if they can ever find their way into the Boston area on that day, you know we have the we have the Boston Marathon. Uh, you know there's lots of people that line up for that. But well, this is something that you do it one time. Just do it once. <clears throat> and I always invite people to get you know get a hold of me if you're interested in a tour of Boston. We do have some <clears throat> exciting plans a few years down the road to perhaps offer that to people. But um, but uh, on a, right on our website and we have we'll have a a place um, nearby to be able to conduct these little uh, presentations and tours. But in the meanwhile, if anyone's interested in coming to Boston and like a good little tour, you know, give us a call and we'll be happy to, uh, if we can, depending on our schedules and what have you, happy to show you around in uh, Boston and in, in greater Boston, some, a lot of history. And even though it's uh, known as a very far left area, there's still a lot of great patriots and you can really enjoy um, some, some great history. Uh, so please uh, visit our website, give us a call uh, through our website, uh, contact us, say, hey, I'm going to be in Boston, and whatever time you will, and be interested in getting together. We'll be uh, very happy to and honored to do that. Uh, a lot of things happening in the media, in the news uh, last week. Uh, a couple of bombs dropped in a few locations around the, <coughs> around the globe. Um, I, I don't think that um, the United States should have uh, bombed uh, Syria. I don't think Assad is a uh, was responsible for that gas attack. I know several years ago they accused him of doing that, and I heard that uh, the little the besieged town in Syria of Aleppo was celebrated Easter for the first time in, in, since the uh, the, the terrorist um, had, had control of that. And you know, right next to my home is a Syrian church in, here in Boston, and they tell me that. You know, Assad. Now, Assad may not be a laissez-faire, uh, free market capitalist uh, type of guy. He's not a Ron Paul. Uh, he's definitely not a Donald Trump. But the bottom line is that uh, he doesn't bother the Christians. He protects them. Uh, there was a 10% Christian population. They're slowly being eradicated by the by the ISIS types, and that's not so good there. So. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's interesting. And he was defeated. He was a, had these people on the run. Why would he want to use poisonous gas to kill people? He didn't need to do it. You know, it wasn't necessary. So uh, just interesting dynamics here. Um, so <clears throat> let me see here. What else? What else in the news here? Um, we're still fighting the Article Five Convention. Uh, we have a lot of states that had defeated the Article Five the last couple of months, and when you have an organization with a lot of money, you know they, these bills will keep these resolutions will keep on coming up. But like a lot of things, money is one thing, but you still need boots on the ground. You still need motivated people, and things go in cycles. Issues go in cycles. You, I know back in 2011 to 2013. The Agenda 21 issue was the biggest issue of the day. I mean, people were contacting me, people that would never give me the time of day, all of a sudden concerned about this. Hey, can you speak to my group? We'd like to have you speak here, speak there. Uh, and it was it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. You know, then a little bit, you know, from the audiences from 200 got down to maybe 20. And then, well, interest lost. The Agenda 21 didn't go away. It's just that, you know, people's attention and, and just like the illegal immigration issue, you know, there might be a bill in Congress that comes up. All of a sudden, it's the top story everywhere. And then a little bit later, you know, it starts to die down. The bill may have been defeated and may have passed and what have you. And then uh, the free trade issue, same thing. Uh, and I'm very, very pleased that Donald Trump said, told the TPP to go away. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing. Our nation's enemies have invested a lot of time in this. So, and uh, the Agenda 21 issue, too, it's interesting. Uh, the contrast between inner city and rural. And, you know, there's two different worlds. You know, you live in the inner city. The, the, the culture is different. The, uh, uh, the concerns are different. And not completely different. I mean, education is people want to be safe. People live in the rural areas. Not worry about drive-by shootings. You know, they, they're worried about certain things, but drive-by shootings and robberies and burglaries are not the top thing on their list. Education probably is, but in the same thing in the inner city. Uh, they don't like people messing with their property rights in the rural, rural areas in, in Boston and urban areas. You know, you, you may be renting. You know, you, if you do own property, you know, it might be a big holding company that's sort of a faceless thing, yeah. Uh, you live in a condo complex, you know, and uh, what have you. Um, but it's interesting, just in the last few um, few weeks, the, in the town of Dedham, Massachusetts, which is a, you know, it's sort of a suburban town. It goes back, you know, 1600. It's an old town, but it's considered a suburb of Boston today. And Dedham uh, was, is a member of this entity called ICLE, the International Council for Local Environmental Initiative. And when, they, when you have this entity called ICLE, it's like a parasite, and sometimes a parasite, you might have it for a long time and not even know you have it, or you might just, you know, something's not feeling too good here, but you might think, gee, I don't think it's a parasite. It might be something, it's something else, just a stomach ache, or I'm losing weight, don't know why I'm losing weight, I don't have an appetite, but hey, gee, you got a parasite. Or, you know, you got the, and so in Dedham, they have this thing called a rail trail. Now, I'm not necessarily against rail trails, uh, and I'm not suggesting it's a commie plot when people in town want to 
use the old rail bed for a, for a trail, for a bike trail and all that. But we'll see this in, in uh, areas that are bought, bought into Agenda 21, Ickley in Massachusetts, the green community, uh, other areas they call it something. They might be called it sustainable Greater Albany or sustainable Adirondack or whatever. You know, uh, sustainable New Jersey, I think, is what they're using in New Jersey to push it. Um, <clears throat> so the bike trails. Now, the bike pass, first off, you get a rail bed. Now, this particular rail bed that goes through Dedham has the tracks have been torn up many years ago. I think it was part of the Boston, not the Boston, the Boston and Providence Railroad. And, um, but the, a lot of the property, it abuts people's homes, backyards mainly. And it looks like the people who live very close to the rail trails, with few exceptions, are dead against it. The people who live you know, away from it, oh yeah, let's have a rail trail. But the downside, even without looking at the Agenda 21 factor, the downside is that first of all, your property rights are, are infringed. Second thing is your privacy is infringed. What used to be a backyard, you, know, you look at your backyard, now it's a public vent, now it's a public easeway. You get people there all hours of the day, and yeah, that's nice. People drive their bikes, maybe families going for a walk. But you get some other people who aren't there to go for a walk mm-hmm. and exercise. They might be there to commit illegal actions. And now they can break into people's homes and have a nice little easeway to get away from uh, the police by using that rail trail. It's also the cost factor. And of course, the federal government, HUD, OSHA, um, various entities, and some of these things have nothing to do uh, agriculture, the Department of Agriculture. They might put it, you know, give the town a grant. I'm not saying, I'm not sure, but you'll see that the town of uh, Jaffrey, New Hampshire, they got a grant from the Department of Agriculture to build a theater. What the heck's that about? What, are they, were they teaching people how to, they stay to, to grow food? What's going on here? It's just outrageous, and it's unconstitutional. So the people in town are against it, rightfully so, but they're not looking at the bigger picture because that's our job. I was there just a few days ago, did a little short little video saying, hey, these are all the people here against it, but they're not paying attention to the bigger picture. They're going out to the symptom. You know, it's like if you have a fever, and you you take an aspirin for the headache, or you take something else for the muscle ache, or you take something to reduce the temperature, and uh, what have you. But if you don't if you don't address the virus, you're not going to solve the problem. If you have cancer, and you have a tumor, and you put a bandaid on the tumor, or you uh, you know you take the tumor off, it's so good. The tumor's gone, but that cancer is still creating other tumors, and that's what Agenda 21 is like. And you're not going to solve the problem because you get people out there that they're fighting the smart meters, they're fighting the wind turbines, they're fighting the solar panels, they're fighting the um, easements when it comes to vernal pools and things like that. And they're fighting all these all the symptoms, but they refuse to address the disease. And as long as they do that, the Agenda 21 people are going to win. In Boston, just a few shows ago, I had, um, I had Pastor Bruce Wall on the show talking about a little parking lot, and it's the same thing. They put, put the stack them and pack them. Uh, they're doing this in rural areas too, by the way, when they find sustainable development of this, um, these areas, um, smart growth areas. So you take a crossroads in town, you know, it could be, it could be a little shopping mall, a couple of stores, and they'll say, okay, this is where we're going to do all the intensive building. We're going to issue permits. I can put a hundred units on, you know, a, a couple of square mile, a couple of square feet of, 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 of property. 
and then they get money from HUD, Housing Urban Development, and then they have Section 8 housing, and they'll say, well, you know, Section 8 housing, you got to offer people uh, low rent here. Oh, no one in town qualifies. That's okay. We get people uh, that will qualify. We'll bring in people. So what happens is you change the political uh, balance of that town. People who've never been there, people who have no connection to the town, are now living in these towns and voting in these towns, and they're going to vote along with the – and as always, you're going to find liberals in all these towns, so-called progressives. In some cases, they have a, a majority. In some cases, they have a small minority. And by the time they relocate people and, uh, and they're getting federal money, they're getting uh, all kinds of benefits, they don't have any connections to the town, you think they're going to vote in favor of keeping the town the way it was? They're going to vote according to the far-left so-called progressives. That's who they're going to support. So you change, you're going to change the in character. And Obama was pushing that. Like I forget what he called it. The oh, it was a, but it was about AFFA. I think it was called. And Tom DeWeese did a great job exposing this. Well, we have one minute left. The fastest half hour in radio. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to uh, <clears throat> thank the good people at WBCQ that may help make this show possible. And the people that support us financially, of course, our, our donors, our supporters that make this possible. And my, as of February 13th, it's full time for me, and I do appreciate uh, the financial uh, sacrifices some people have made to uh, get me there. And I tell folks that you are, I'm, I am a good steward of your generosity. I am going to, you know, do my utmost to uh, to just create to fulfill the mission of um, honoring the past teaching the present, preparing the future. And with that, we want to thank you for listening. God bless you. And please check us out, www.campconstitution.net. Until next week, God bless you.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.